0: everyone. I'm now on Patreon. Click the link below. Not only keep the free content coming with tutorials, tips, podcasts, etc., but get a bunch of free stuff like live stream Q&As, copying my book, voting on topics, behind the scenes, bunch of cool stuff. Click the link down below to join. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Scott Stokely podcast. Still talking about myself in the third person like a real athlete. And This is the third interview I'm doing, and this is uh, uh, absolutely something I'm so excited about. There are no words to describe this. Um, I have Victor Malafronte, PDGA member number two, okay, as in 002. Now, Victor's going to do a lot of the talking here. We're going to talk about the history of the sport. He's going to school me on things that I don't know. But I want to start this real quick by talking about a couple of myths that people have. Um, And they're myths about me, but they both relate to Victor. So the first myth is that uh, as I have wrote in my book, I I played my first round of golf on the world's first disc golf course when there was one course in the world. And people say, oh, my God, Scott, you're an OG. You're one of the pioneers, one of the originals. That could not be further from the truth. Uh, There was several generations i consider myself third generation frisbee player slash disc golfer uh there were several generations before me uh beginning with the earliest days of frisbee sports later to be called flying disc sports but back then it was mostly frisbee uh victor is one of the originals when i was a kid i had to have heroes in sports just like every other kid had their sports heroes and my hero included people like victor so victor is the OG or one of the OGs, that's the first myth. The second myth is that in the 90s, well this is not a myth, in the 90s I did, a, I did a large part to play my part in the evolution of the sport by pushing forward the sidearm with the clinics and I was the only guy on tour that was using this throw at this time and people mistakenly think that I either invented the sidearm or I was one of the original sidearm throwers, also a myth. Uh, but I am talking to the person right now, who, if he didn't invent the sidearm, he is one of the inventors of the sidearm, uh, literally, and I don't want to call out his age here, but literally he had not only thrown the sidearm, but mastered it before I was born. So I am not an OG, I did not invent the sidearm, but I'm talking to the person that did, or if, if he didn't, he's gonna correct me, but, uh, pdj number two and a dear friend of mine from way back when victor malafronte thank you victor for joining joining the podcast
1: all right scott good to see you bro
0: it's great to see you too man i've not seen you in years It's it's been i know like oh the time flies doesn't it
1: yeah it sure does you end up getting old and ugly like me oh my god
0: well you mean like us come on give me a break uh
1: okay wait hold on a sec Speak up a little bit because it's still hard. You know, you don't have to shout, but it's hard for me to hear you.
0: All right, cool. I will talk a little bit, uh, a little bit louder. And if you could tilt the camera down a little bit, because we need to see all of that pretty face. There we go. All right. Okay, cool. Perfect. So, um, and I will definitely talk louder. I think it's going to record just fine. Um, but we're having audio issues. It's, I think it's because of our age. Like technology just doesn't work when you're past the age of 30 so that's not our fault and, and
1: a lot of other things a lot of other things don't work when you're past 70 so
0: <laughs> you can gonna add that one oh i oh, i'll um, i'm gonna pretend i'm gonna ignore that that's that's a reality so
1: <laughs> well um, yeah okay you do that
0: <laughs> do that for as long as you can too <laughs> i will do that all right, all right so, my man a, a couple of questions so uh before we start talking about history, I mean, a lot of people make it through podcasts mostly, and then they get to work and don't tune in for the last. So I do want to mention a couple of projects that you have on the table right off the bat, and then we'll get into talking about the history of our great sport. Uh, but two things. Number one, you have a book out about the Berkeley Frisbee Club. That was, is, is that the first Frisbee Club in the world?
1: That's the Berkeley Frisbee Group. Berkeley Frisbee Group, which started well in uh, 1968 at UC Berkeley campus. That's a birthplace of frisbee. It's, it's the uh, the uh, what you call it the um, oh God. I did not think uh, the Mecca of frisbee started in Berkeley in 1968.
0: Okay, that's that's amazing. And this is so. And you wrote a book about this, which we'll, we're going to talk at length about this. But I want to make sure people know the book's available. And okay. Be- where where would they find the book when they get inspired? Where would they find
1: the book, right? They'd find it right over here.
0: <laughs> okay, can you see it? So they just message you on Facebook, Victor Malafrante?
1: Yes, it's uh what I, I I've been posting on Facebook trying to get donations for my back surgery. Okay. The VA, now yeah, the VA refuses to uh Take care of me, and I, you know I've I've been going back and forth with these guys. So now I got to do it on my own. So yeah. and so, but the book, the the uh, the family history of the Berkeley Frisbee Group, the Keepsake 2020, is about all those people that most most other people haven't heard of. There were six guys. Six guys: Dave, Book, uh, Chuck Pitt. Jay Shelton, Steve Sewell, and Tom Bode that these, was, who am I, I'm missing somebody, uh, Bob May. These six guys didn't have any peers. They just like, boom, they developed this freestyle thing and, uh, and field events just on their own because they were having a good time. So you've really got to go back and look at those six people. And I cover each one of them in the book. As well as the other, after them, uh, 69 was the Berkeley Frisbee Group. So, and anyway, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we could talk about the book later. But it's on, it's on Facebook. I'm trying to get $10, okay, from half of my 4,900 friends on Facebook to help pay for my back surgery. It's, you know, and it's, I can understand it's money but this thing is a, this is a good thing because not only can it help me that this could be an ongoing thing Well, we have other people other frisbee people we know disc golfers that are having a rough time some corona problems we can help them by by a cluster of people sending ten dollars a thousand people sending ten dollars a month to, to somebody that's going to change their life and and that's where I think this thing could lead. And I, I call it a care book and all. So, so maybe that's something in the future. But right now, uh, I got to get my back fixed. I'm, I'm not done, man. You know what I mean? I, I, still, have, I still have guns and all that. I still want to crank on a golf course. I still want to hit double-fisted backhands down the line in tennis. You know what I mean? It just, and I can't. And the freaking corona's. you know, I, I, all I do is go to the store and go home. Go to the store and go home. So it's been a great life so far. Well,
0: I, and, and I think I know why your back's hurt. I'll tell one of the, one of the early stories of when I met you. You, you may or may not remember this but because you met a lot of people. But when you're a little kid and you meet one of your heroes, that's imprinted forever. So we were on the tee pad of hole three at La Mirada, And I stepped up on the tee pad. And it was just you and I. And I said, hey, watch this. I have a really great sidearm. I was probably 13 years old at the time. And I threw a sidearm. I don't remember if it was a good shot or not, but I was showing off the sidearm that that I had, right? And your response was, you said, that's really cool, kid. How about this one? And you stood on the tee pad, you threw it behind your back, and you hit the basket.
1: Do you remember (laughs) that? Well, you know, know, if you try that often enough, pretty soon you're going to hit metal somewhere along the way. But that, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's the thing. I, I. That's what's left for me to do. Besides die. The last thing, the thing, next, next thing I want to do is do a behind the back ace. And I'm telling them, as the years go by, the holes get longer and longer. <laughs> and so I save my behind the back shots for upshots.
0: Okay, and I well, dedicate
1: them. I dedicate them to people.
0: <laughs> well, I remember it because when you meet one of your heroes and he gets one shot and he steps up and does that, you feel as a little kid that you can do that every time on command and you just like, you just go, Oh my God. And there, there were so many things in my life that led me to wanting to pursue this game and sport the rest of my life. And you're one of those. Um, I will will try not to compliment you a thousand more times, but it's from the heart. You like, you're, you're one of my heroes, Victor. So let's, let's talk about the, the beginning. So the Berkeley Frisbee club, you were not, originally part of that group or when did you, when the Berkeley
1: Frisbee group, it's the Berkeley Frisbee group, the BFG.
0: BFG. I'm part
1: of the, I'm part of the Berkeley Frisbee group, the Berkeley six pioneer Frisbee players that I mentioned earlier, they're also in the Berkeley Frisbee group, but there's a separate, we made them their own group for these six guys. And and they went to all the tournaments and it's all written up in my book about them. And, um, it's just phenomenal, you know, because if I didn't start doing it, it was, you know, Skippy Jammer who reminded me again, hey, Victor, who's going to write about the Berkeley Club? we got a lot of talented people there. And so I started writing some stuff in the late 70s, I think it was. I still have this scrap paper. And so he, he said that to me again a, a couple years, uh, last year, and boom, I started doing it. I had I, – I just did just the – Berkeley, Berkeley, and it was 10 pages. And then I kept getting more information from the guys in the club. And now it turned out to be 94 pages, okay, of stuff. A lot of support stuff, because it's written by me from my perspective, but with the help of the Frisbee family. And there's a a lot of Frisbee family. And it was taken from a million points in the sky, all condensed into one little book. So, uh so yeah, uh, the Berkeley Frisbee Group. What we're also doing is we are making honorary players members of the Berkeley Frisbee Group, and Dr. Stantil Johnson is the first one, and Tom Shot, uh, John Kirkland, Paul Clark, and that's it. That's for the the first round. So we're gonna we're gonna keep adding people. I gotta get Spider Wills in there. To you know, there's a. Steady ahead, Steady at Hedrick, who was like my god. You know, when I was in, in the frisbee, the guy that was like a second dad that that I had on the West Coast. So,
0: gotcha. So, yeah. so, would, so the the original group were they uh, the original six were they students at in, at, at uh. town or were they just just hippies hanging out in uh, the Bay Area?
1: there were students not only were there all six of these guys the berkeley six pioneer players they all graduated from uc berkeley most of them have phd's and chuck pitt was a double major while while he was there i was unable to contact him it's amazing all the time i spent on the internet try to find a couple of these guys it's been uh been really tough and dave Booked. When I saw Dave, I was on campus in the summer of six, uh, 68, and I, I had a good time, but I still remember that. And I, I was on an upper level, looking over the Lower Sparrow Plaza, and Dave Book, I see him throw a behind the back skip shot, right to his partner, he didn't have to move. I couldn't believe it, I was like, oh shit. I went down to Lower Plaza and I got right in their game, I waved to Dave, and he got me involved. He showed me the grip and all that. And for the next month, that's all I did was try to throw behind the back. <laughs> I was such a freak, man. You know what I mean? I threw a pro Moamo Pro 92 yards behind the back at El Cerrito in 1970 to win the distance event behind my back. And I and I have this two-finger macho sidewinder trip where Stork Stork said – what are the odds that the first person would be the best at throwing throwing sidearm? I'll never forget that, and he had, he was right. And it, I don't I I haven't seen anyone. I remember you throwing sidearm. You weren't gripping the disc the right way. I won't embarrass you, but uh, we did a demo. We did a demo at what was it Lake Chabot? Then we do a, de- a demo for the handicapped kids.
0: Yeah, by the we, lake. 1990. We did yeah. We did a special needs class.
1: Oh right, okay, and and I was telling everybody and, the, and all the kids and everybody watched this. Scott Stokely is going to throw the frisbee over the lake. Remember? Okay. You didn't want me to say that, or something. Maybe it put too much pressure on you, but <laughs> you were smart enough to throw it towards the edge of the lake, you know, where it's not as wide as the center.
0: <laughs> and boom! And you, and you did it, and, and that that's that was great to see that. I love that. I love that. So, were you? You weren't originally in Berkeley then. You you were somewhere else.
1: Oh yeah, I was. In, I'm a Berkeley. Uh, Berkeley. I'm a Brooklyn boy. Okay. I'm a born born Catholic boy in, uh, in in Flatbush Brooklyn, who went to church, went into the Marine Corps, got out of the Marine Corps, went to California to Berkeley with my brother. Okay, entered this culture shock that shock that was this. My head is still spinning today from what the hell was going on over there. You know, it really was the, one of the best places to be in the late '60s, was in Berkeley, and of course throughout the '70s. And, and I and I used that to make myself out as being this really big ladies' man, and I wasn't. Okay, I was shy with women. Actually, I really was. So, and you know, other social inadequacies. So uh so that was in nineteen sixty eight. My brother got married, has three kids, he's doing great. I'm divorced, sold the house, happy again, and just moving on, I'm doing a podcast, I wrote a I wrote another freaking book, you know you know what a, That's great, man. I coming out here to Berkeley was the best thing I could ever done done for my life. And we left Brooklyn because the heavy drug culture, believe it or not, it was. And, when one of my friends od and his two buddies got him into the house and laid him on the rug in his, in his mother's house, and they found him in the morning dead, we said, oh, my brother and I just said, oh, that's it. We're out of here. We didn't like the cold weather. So we packed up and, and headed to Berkeley.
0: Gotcha. So you, so you found Frisbee. but So at the time, there was no tournaments. There was no, I mean, it was just a toy at the time. No.
1: Well, wait a minute, but I have to correct you there because Please. there were, <laughs> I'm going to slap you too. So you better be nice. So, uh, what? <laughs> I'm still bigger than you, Victor. Hey,
0: don't make me come over there, Scott. Hey, um, you're, you're, you're in, but here's the problem. You're invited. I'll buy you. <laughs> anyway. <Okay. laughs> All right. Uh, what was
1: I talking about? I totally you're, lost.
0: My No, you were talking about, I said that there was, I was asking if there were tournaments. Oh, the there. tournament.
1: Okay. Right on. I was. I did the right thing. I saved everything and that was Frisbee in my whole life, just about. I think only Tom McRan has a bigger archive than I do, especially paper-wise and that sort of information and all. And um, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, I'm having a senior moment here. You'll have them too. Uh, all right, with tournament. UC Berkeley had the first Frisbee tournament that i knew of that was that amounted really to anything and i was in in 1968 and at that tournament bob may they had distance accuracy and and guts and mentally accuracy as well and bob may was the perennial distance champion when he was throwing at that tournament you have to measure up and high up on the building did he hit you know and it's these little stories are in my book so they yeah. so they had this great little frisbee tournament, and I didn't play. But the Berkeley five, I think it was five of the Berkeley six guys who were there playing, it was Steve, Chuck, and Bob, and not Bode. Uh, who else was that? And rate, anyway, so that was basically the first like collegiate frisbee tournament. And then in nineteen and nineteen sixty nine, they wanted to stage the first intercollegiate frisbee tournament with stanford so stanford sent some players up to berkeley and we creamed them like 20 27 to 6. they were great guys we also played disc golf on a berkeley campus which was the first 18 hole course in the world even though it was an object object course okay it was and uh and we used to make up our own holes we didn't want to put the whole thing together we wanted that element where I know who I was playing against and I know there were a week doing right to left backhand throws and we would call them mandatories. I always made my mandatories to the going around the left of anything. Of course, my two finger macho it would bury them and all, but we had fun. We had fun doing that. So, and then, so that's the start of this. And that was really the first intercollegiate Frisbee tournament. It's in my, I got the pictures and everything, newspaper articles.
0: And, and then. 100%. So who so who yeah, won the, so yeah, who won the first Frisbee golf tournament? Who was what? So who won Pick up? I said who won the first tournament? Was it or was it just head to head?
1: Oh, in golf? Yeah. No, I no, I played the four guys from Stanford.
0: Okay, I you took played.
1: took the four oh and one and one guy from Humboldt State. I took him on the Berkeley course and we played of course, I, I should have been the person who would beat them all because their eyes were like, oh, you know, just like you were when you were a kid in, in La Mirada. You know, and um, yeah. And so those kind of stuff is is, is really neat, to, you know, to go back and, and, you know, and think about those things. And the thing is, I have to apologize again for not writing about the history of the Berkeley Frisbee group sooner. I did. I waited way too long to do it. Because there's so much stuff in that book. There's four pages of of, uh, claim to fame Frisbee Berkeley stuff. You know, we just kept adding and adding. And all of it's true as well. We're not making stuff up here, okay? And a lot of people don't know about it because the people on the East Coast are trying to take credit for everything. And then the West Coast wasn't even around then they never even came out to, to California to play a tournament until 1974 and we we're doing it in 68 you know that's what, anyway that's a whole political thing I don't want to get into that now but I will be dealing we will be dealing with it
0: <laughs> okay yeah. so so now the, the next part of this story cuz I you know I'm friends with so many old timers and the recurring story that you get from so many of them was at some point they were playing Frisbee in, in Rochester and didn't realize that people were playing anywhere else in the world. And there was people in Austin and people in all these different cities started popping up but they were unaware that there were other Frisbee groups out there. Well, yes, right. that's true. When, yeah, so when did you become aware of or when did when did these groups start to figure out that other people were playing?
1: Sure, great, that's a good question because you have to look at at uh, Ken Westerfield, Gail McCall, and Jim Kenner. These guys started in ninth. They're in my book. These guys started in 1971, and they had their own speed flow game. You know, just trick catches, holly any tipping, no delay. Delay wasn't even known of at that at that time, in 71. And they were doing demos for CPI, at Continental kind of no Protection. Uh, Continental, uh, uh, whatever, Continental something, whatever. Anyway, so they were already doing demos. They already had their speed flow thing going. Another group is Mike and Bill Schneider. Mike and Bill Schneider made three tours of Europe, rock and roll tours. They were doing stuff uh, with with, uh, Don McLean's American Pie's. And uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and they, they set the tone, the game in in Europe was Mike and Bill Schneider. And they also had their own, it was a little bit different, but they had their own speed flow game. Okay. And and Westerfield and the Schneider brothers didn't know about the Berkeley Frisbee group at that time. So, and so those are, are two really eye openers there to say that, hey, there might be some more people like that. There. there could be two women. Who played all, all the time and we just haven't reached them you know and I, I'd hope to hear from them we want to hear this kind of stuff we're we're into the history stuff and all you know This golf they just worried about the next golf disc they're going to buy but you have a history okay you have a history and you should know about it and all and I'm gonna make you know about it so don't make me come over there <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're the, you're the, the, the Brooklyn and you keeps coming out <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I <laughs> I won't deny that.
0: <laughs> OK, so so now these groups are popping up all over the country. When did the tournament start happening that people around the country started coming? When did you get to play against Westerfield and Kander and all these other players? When did that start?
1: OK, well, I mentioned that Berkeley already had they had three tournaments they had in Berkeley called Big Game Week all right there's three of them 68 to 71 I think, or 72 and um so th- those tournaments started there also there's the ift the international guts frisbee championships in michigan which started around 57 but probably 65 and all but then in night and uh there were other little uh tournaments the other tournament, Roger Barrett set up with the El, El Cerrito Parks and Rec Department in 1970, that's where I threw the, the 92 yards behind my back. So that, that was the tournament. We had a Berkeley, 72, we had um, a Berkeley uh, tournament in, in Berkeley, Parks and Rec. We had that tournament there, Bob May won distance, Bob May always won distance, as though it was anybody else at that time and all. And so... And then those little type of tournaments were coming up i I was with Stanfield Johnson and we went to this little tournament They were had like, they set up a tire and they had to throw through the tire like they do it, at the IFt and, and I'm standing there and these people nobody's making a nobody's making a, a shot through the tire and I threw my first four in in a row and I, I cracked up and didn't make another one after that. But I ended up winning a mini motorcycle, you know, <laughs> which I sold because I'd kill myself on it if I was if I was riding it. So there were the, there were those little pockets of things going here and there. There's also a film that's on, on on YouTube, 1957. There was a tournament in California, and they had they gave out trophies. They used hula hoops for for accuracy and all this other stuff. I, and that's all only information I can find out about it. So you have to figure the whammo with his frisbee, with the frisbees. They're going to want to make some tournaments, and so what they started with was Irv Lander when he, he did the junior frisbee championships, and I think that started in, in '68 as well. So the West Coast, you know, we're we are the pioneers of frisbee. There's other people like Ken and the Schneider brothers and those people who contributed to, uh, uh, to the history as well. And Ken came out to, to, to Willow Bar Plaza. And that was like, like I said, the Mecca of Frisbee. And people would say that, Oh, we're going to the Mecca of Frisbee. Like they're making this journey, you know, like, <laughs> like some God is going to be there for them, you know, and they're going to go around the building a hundred times. And, you know, so yeah. So that, that was part of it as well.
0: But you, but what what you're saying though isn't it's not strange because the story that I've heard so many times from these players these you know from all over the country all over the world was that when they thought that they were the only people that played being able to find other people that played was a connection that they they did like that was a connection to a something global like that yes. wasn't a wasn't a small deal that that was. Like, if that was Mecca, if that's what you loved.
1: Well, it was. No, it absolutely was. I, I agree. But in, in 73, Jim Cantor put, put on, he had a tournament in Canada, in Toronto, and I went there. And they the freestyle, of village wasn't even called freestyle at the time, you know, trick catch is what it was. But it was, they only, didn't judge a team. It is just one person. And, and that was like the starter of judging freestyle. And I, I won that at, at that time. Some of that, a lot of other good players weren't there, you know, who could have, you know, made things a little rougher for me. So so uh, that, and then, of course, uh, Stork, this is amazing. Stork decided for the, his first tournament ever, he's going to have eight events. OK. <laughs> and these eight events and which of two he he and Paul Mary came up with. And you know, i just, you know, to add to the tournament. And that was that was incredible. And it went off really well, too. There weren't a lot of delays. I mean, there weren't 100 people there to, to compete and also he did that. And that to me to this day is that's really that was a gutsy move. To do in 1974, and so when Kirkland and I toured with the Globe Trotters, oh my God, the Globe! What a, what a tour! That's where we ran into uh, uh, Freddie Half, Kelly Colmar, and Palmieri, and and that's how the network started to go, and Tom Monroe, those people, and so that's how the cluster started to started to grow, and and look what Palmieri did—he had two 18-hole frisbee golf. Uh, contest. One, he gave away a car. Well, I mean, he had to pay for that car for four years to make payments for it. But <laughs> he loved the sport so much, I I don't care. I'm going to give away a car. And That's he did, and Stork won it.
0: Yeah, so, okay, so, I, I I do remember that. So, just real quick, so, for those of, uh, Stork is Dan Roddick, who's PDGA oh, number th- sorry, yeah. That's alright. 003. P- PDGA number three. Um, he was also the head of sports promotion at wham Yes. He was the, uh, well, I mean, there were so many people that get credit, but he was able to funnel wham money into the sport. It, it, he had the ability to do that that nobody else could do because Wham-O was the one making the money off Frisbee sales. So, so Stork was the one that was able to channel that marketing towards the competitive side, not just television commercials. But actual competition so you know he helped pioneer it as a sport for sure um right we we have to talk about the globetrotters now i'm going to i want to share something because we have a younger audience many of whom have probably heard of the globetrotters but what they're not (laughs) understand is just how big of a deal the globetrotters were so right now you know in the modern era with a hundred cable channels and YouTube and social media. There are there are tens of thousands of celebrities out there in in all genres. But back in the '70s, when there was three major television networks and a couple big newspaper chains, I mean, there, there was there were only a few mega celebrities. Things people like Evil Can can never happen again, because there was only so much airtime available on Wide World of Sports. If you were Evil Can you were famous. The next thousand best motorcycle jumpers in the world you've never heard of. Right? Yeah. But he was mega. Well, the same thing held true for the Globetrotters. Globetrotters yes, were actually on, they were on television multiple times a year as a kid. Yeah, America, I have Globetrotters were on.
1: Right. I I wrote a little thing about that in the book. John Kirkland, he just he was thinking one day, and it's kinda of hard for John to do that, but he <laughs> came up with this. <laughs> I love it. Over here at the home course in in, uh, in Escondido, he's known as the man who can say every word in one sentence. <laughs> what we're trying to do is get him not to say all those words all the time. <laughs> I I tease him. He's a smart guy and all that. Anyway, he wanted to he tried to figure where can I go and I where I can entertain the most people at 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 one time. And he thought the Globe Charters. So he contacted the Globe Charters and then. He got with me, and I went to Boston with him because we he, we had an audition going to set for the Globetrotters. But before that, when I was a kid in Brooklyn, okay, the Globetrotters were on ABC, Wild World of Sports. Mm-hmm. Every time they were, everybody, my grandfather, everybody, the kids were watching that show, man. We were thrilled. All of thrilled. us. Thrilled. But to think, but don't interrupt me, but to think that... One day, <laughs> and to think that one day I would be invited to Metalock Lemon's Christmas party at his house with the entire Globe Trotter team—bing! I mean, that was—it's still now. It's just surreal. It, it really is. I mean, what—and a, a very nice family too, by the way. And the Globe Charter tour Kirkland did—that was a great thing because what John did was he's. And I was there too, but we had to spread this all this frisbee stuff around the country, newspapers and just on TV and, and all of that, and and so um, that's a, that was a start for a lot of people that, that got exposed to. For, in fact, Scott Zimmerman is the only player to see a Globe Charter show, and Tom McCrane and and my. Frisbee ice show on skates for the Washington Capitals in Washington D.C. That's amazing. That's just really hard to do, <laughs> and he did so. That was cool.
0: No, but that's not. It, it it's jo- you. You guys were Johnny Appleseed because every time you went and performed in front of ten thousand people, that imprinted the idea of how fun frisbee is or what could be done with a frisbee. Like those are planting seeds. Even if you, even if we don't connect the dots between who that affected by, by big names that affected the entire sport of disc golf today, what you did back then. It's all connected, Victor. Like you don't, well, don't sure. play this. I mean, this, this was, Oh my God, there was no internet, Victor. You were the internet. You were reaching 10,000 right. views every single day.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And, that, and you know, you hear about these rock
1: groups, they have this really long tour. Oh, we went to twenty cities in a month and oh it was wonderful. The Globe Charters go to a hundred and eighty cities in six months. That was a every day a different city with the Globe Charters for six months. And they're that I mean they connected tours. We did we did two demos a couple of times in two different cities in the same day and all. So anyway, uh, that was good. But you know one thing about the Globe Charter tour? Everything was choreographed to get to get an audience reaction. We knew that was the, the key to it. And you know, playing with three and doing four frisbees at one time. We did five frisbees at one time in practice only once, otherwise we'd shoot ourselves. We tried it if we tried it again. But there's one thing we overlooked was that boomerang throws. John and I kitty corner on on the court. I would he, I would throw the sidearm shot boomerang throw, and it would disappear it's a lot of times in, behind the air conditioner or in the gloom of the, of the stadium uh, and and then it would come back around, and John knows where to be you know to catch it and because and, everybody's watching the frisbee they 're not watching John, and then the frisbee comes around and John does a, a quick behind the head catch, and everybody goes nuts. And 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 that the thing was that we didn't really really we could have done it sitting in a chair, you know. And that phenomenal throw that disappears and reappears again is magical, kind of. And that's how I felt. They thought it was a kind of a magical thing, you know. And and we were just having we were having a great time doing it, you know. John would crank these backhands like as heart. And the thing is, when you play inside of a dome like that, you can throw as hard as you want. And you're not going to hit anything. You know, and a lot of people haven't had that experience, and, and I'm glad that, that I did.
0: Well, the, the thing that, that is, it would be impossible to understand if you weren't there, but before Frisbee, objects went up and then they went down. Yeah. I mean, that's what it did. I mean, before injection molded plastic. It parabolic. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea of something floating and hovering was I mean, literally, there were people that either hadn't seen it or had barely even seen something fly that way. It's not like today. You can't impress people the same way with Frisbee that you could back then because it was that revolutionary.
1: Yeah, it's a novelty for sure. It yeah. was. And, and you're right. It's, it's a Frisbee flies, a ball just goes in a parabolic, it doesn't fly. Right. But you, make, you make the Frisbee fly. You make it go where you want it, where you want it to go. And what's happened since then? Well, now we have ten thousand disc golf courses and, and five and a half a million people playing them every week. At least that was before, oh, you know, COVID and all of that. So
0: it, it's so, more. It's more now, Victor. It's this has been a boom for the sport.
1: Oh, right. hey, let me tell you, you're right. When I started doing the research for the BFG book, I've been away. I, you know, hurt my back. I hurt my back. It's old man disease. T3, T4, uh, disc has. They have to be replaced. I mean, I am really hurt, and I tried to play with Curtin last year. It's just not going to work out. And anyway, or um, was I going to say hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you we went off screen there for a second. Uh, okay. Uh, oh yeah. When I was doing the research, I realized I'm looking at all these pictures and stuff, and thinking, oh, yeah, I had, I didn't play for a long time. I didn't play in the 1990s because I suffered from these headaches that I got from the Marine Corps from their toxic water program. Uh, at any rate, I'm looking and I see these, I can't believe is this is a real gallery. Is this face, is this uh, photoshopped or whatever? And I couldn't believe the thousands of people are oh, watching disc golf. They had the opening of a court. Of at at course, I think it was in Finland and Europe where they had, they had Page, uh, okay. Fierce Paige Fierce uh, Page, Page Pierce. I like to, I like to see her putt one of these days and knock the basket over. Okay, the way, the way this young gal shoots. And and gentleman Paul uh, Paul Macbeth, and you got Ricky Wasicki, And I don't know if that's a if that's a Japanese food or a Japanese drink or whatever. He's a cool guy. I saw him. is trying to break the record with uh with his frisbee dog. But the dog was great, but he just couldn't make it at 130 feet. So, nah, eh, we can do. So, anyway. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm looking at all this stuff. And I'm going, oh, my God, this thing has just exploded. And all. I'm talking to Tom Schott, my good friend. I said, Tom, what the hell is going on here? This thing is fabulous. It's just unbelievable to think that in 1969, I'm playing pro Frisbee on a college campus. And the, the only thing we were worried about is some student picking up the frisbee and throwing it back at us. And so we came up, with, oh, leave it there, leave it there. And now what do we have? We have this sport that's just tearing through. And I I wanna be able to, of course, with COVID and all, I wanna be able to go to one of these tournaments. I just wanna, at first, just go there and be in the crowd and see how they react to things. Cause this is new to me. It really is it's new to me. The, Crowds I played to frisbee golf were really small, and we and we kind of like knew everyone who was there anyway, you yeah. know. Yeah, so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty good, man. I I just you well, know I, I kind of almost cry. I can tell you. Yeah, I see that. Well,
0: well, you I mean you you performed in front of the the globetrotters, but you also have competed in front of monster crowds because what many people don't realize is that. Let's let's talk about the IFA and and the Rose Bowl, right, or were, they, were those connected? IFA and, or, or, that was they were connected, right? The Rose Bowl events. Yeah, Stork. So t- tell Stork us, tell took us- over. He took over. For, uh,
1: Steady Ed Hedrick wanted to do disc golf. That's that's what he his vision was. He he interviewed me. He inter- interviewed Tom McCrane, he interviewed Stork, and I told. Uh, Steady. at Stork was the guy you should hire to run the IFA, and he did. And what did Stork do? He made this thing flourish and and grow. And he put sense into it, you know, structure. Put fun into it and all that. And the camaraderie and and all oh, these different teams and people all over. You know, I saw that too because the only the only other tournament I saw way back was 1972 when ten of our BFG players went to Michigan for the guts tournament (laughs) and I'm thinking this is it you know this is what we have this is all we have to look for although it was great you know to be there and all of that those are meek little beginnings but Stoke took the reins and he ran with it and he accomplished a lot of wonderful things and some things maybe weren't so wonderful and and we should all be thankful to him uh, for doing the time that he did until, what, 74 to 82, I think it was, and all.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So, so when was the first Rose Bowl? Was that 75?
1: No, 74.
0: 74, okay. Yeah, so before, I won be- the
1: first – I was the male winner. Uh, pay attention because I'm going to interrupt you a lot, okay? Don't mean to come I'm, over here. You, yeah, you, you were <laughs> – <laughs> so, yeah, I you know what? I That's the only thing I wanted, was to win the first World Frisbee Championship. Sure, Jay Sheldon was a better player, over a player, than I was. But that's what I wanted to do. And I had Jay Sheldon and I had this nice conversation the day before the tournament, and off, which really inspired me. So I have a lot of that to him. So I won that. Monica Lou won distance. She just creamed everyone. It was just a little girl. But, oh, Monica. She, this girl could rip. She, what did she 86 yards and the other girls are around 60. You know, because she was using the Bob May power grip with the long pendulum. Little tiny Monica was, was really wonderful. So, uh, so yeah. And then uh, Kirkland won distance. And I was glad that he did. I didn't want to win distance. I wanted him to win the distance because... We were going to go on tour with the Globe right after the, 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 the first wFC and i 'm thinking well let's see you're going to interview me uh, introduce me as being the world frisbee champion, and John Kirkland is my catcher you know that that was not <laughs> that was nice. not going to play out too well so so good that was perfect that that happened, and so we had a good time and uh a lot of people thank Stork and uh, Steady Ed and a lot of people, Paul Merring and other people like
0: that. Okay. so I have to ask you about John Kirkland because everyone, yes. who meets, everyone who meets John today loves him. But when you ask the players who played with him back in the 70s about John Kirkland, the opinions weren't always that.
1: <laughs> so, you mean he, me- wasn't always, he wasn't always sweet and really friendly? I he didn't first... take you under under your wing and give you a little pat on the back and, and on the butt and say, "That's okay. Next time you'll do better." You know, John was a competitor. He's a really intense, do. Okay, this guy, he still is. Okay, he's he's up in in uh, Seattle, Washington. He's living there in his house with his daughter and her husband and their little girl, JJ. And there's a connection to JJ in the Frisbee book too, right at the end. You, you you'll see that, and you know John does things to extremes. He very health conscious. He went out the other day. Okay, he was actually he was actually outside somewhere in Seattle, but in the shade. Okay, did not want to be in the sun whatsoever. When I when we played at at, at the uh, Escondido course, he comes out. There's not one point of skin. And that man that the sun could land on. He had, the old, he had the long cotton shirts on, the big broom hat with the towel in the back, you know, and all of that. It's just a really intense guy, you know, that, that's how he is. And you're going to hang out with Kirkland. Yeah, he's a smart guy and he could be a great guy. That's not a problem. But it's really intense character.
0: He, he really is. Gotcha. So what about Van Miller? Was he part of the was he in the Rose Bowl era or did he come after?
1: No, he came, he came not the first or second, I think he was in the third third Rose Bowl, Van Miller. He was he was another guy. He was this is a uh, a guy who could really crank a disc too. Uh, he didn't play that much though. I didn't see very much of him uh, in California.
0: Okay. So when you yeah. were at the well, how many people were in the stands for the for the the championships?
1: Oh, I counted them twenty five thousand and two people <laughs> were there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: 25,000.
1: <000. laughs> no, it, it was about 25k it, it was and it was, it was marvelous and it was it was great because Kirkland and I are standing on stage we're, we're, we're with Catherine Bach who's part of the, the daisy what was it the Daisy Duke a TV show and, and all that, and so we're on stage with her, telling people. And uh, John and Victor are going to go on tour with the Harlem Globetrotters. I mean, what else could we have added to that to make it any better? You know, that was that was surreal too.
0: That's that's. Beautiful. So you played all through the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl era, in the 70s, and you were you were still competing in the 80s, but when. How long in the 80s were you competing for?
1: Oh, I didn't go. Um, you know, I didn't have the money to go to all these frisbee tournaments. I didn't want to. When I left Brooklyn and I saw the different lifestyle in Berkeley, what people were doing, I said, I don't want to work for 10 years. And all, so I didn't want, I did what I didn't want to do is have a career for 10 years, other than do nothing, <laughs> other than going to the plaza.
0: All right. So you didn't want to work for 10. So you didn't go to all the tournaments. So do you, what do you remember when we first met? Was this in the, this was this late seven or early, it was early eighties when I met you, right?
1: Yeah. it would have to have uh, been, cause I was in, I uh, working at brand X at the time, Southern California and all. Yeah. There was, it was probably, I was there in, uh, in 1980, 1980. I, I was uh, down South. And uh that's where you would have probably met me back then. I think one of the last major tournaments I went to was the the masters overall in Springfield, Missouri in eighty one and I won it you know, and it, that was great. I didn't want two other masters that, with Tom shot in santa cruz and and all of
0: that so so yeah,
1: so that was that was good too.
0: God, I, that's that's crazy so so we met in the early 80s well i i have to i i have to ask i've never asked you what was your impression of me because i remember myself as oh, oh we're, we're gone yeah um, was, oh i remember myself as a very annoying yeah. arrogant punk kid speak up <laughs> i remember <laughs> i remember myself as an annoying arrogant punk kid
1: yes yeah, so, and so do i yeah
0: okay good <laughs> So good. I'm glad, I'm glad that I you would have you.
1: added a couple of adjectives to that, but I'm trying to be nice to you.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I you know what I was. You know, it's sports and, and I remember like trying to be the best in the world, but then I was looking up to people like you and Joe Orsino and and Mark Horn and oh, my yeah. God, the on of, of these Skippy. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Skippy John Jewell. John like, Jewell. Yeah, I mean I, I did not look up to basketball players or baseball players or football players. I I looked up to frisbee players. And and that that was you guys and and, and I mean that's I mean you guys were my heroes. I mean I've said that five times. I, I I'm I, I get to be a fan when I talk to you cuz usually usually I'm the old guy with the low PDGA number. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? But it's my turn. So wait a minute. You said you have a low PDGA number?
1: Nah, it. can't be. What's your number? It's 31. five digits, isn't it? Your no. five-digit number, don't aren't oh, you?
0: It's thirty-one forty. Ah.
1: <laughs> you know what is the number up to now? About one hundred twenty thousand? Is that oh, PGA
0: numbers? Fifty. One
1: hundred fifty.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's insane wonderful. today. So you stopped playing in the, the 80s. Well, did you completely stop playing or did you just?
1: No, no, I I. what I ended up doing when I moved back up. I didn't like Southern California. Brand X went out of business. So I moved back to the Bay Area and the tournaments I went to were there at Berkeley Aquatic Park at times, but mostly going to Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz to play at Tom Shot's Master Tournament and, and uh, Skippy Jammer, all those events he, he put on there. And uh, that campus was really wonderful. I mean, you know, it's just the thing you have, you have this entire campus, you know, to yourself to play. And that's the thing, the other thing with Berkeley, we used the athletic fields, we used the entire campus to play frisbee golf, and it didn't cost us anything, you know, so that. Those kind of things are are, re- are are really good to have. So I played every so once in a while. My, of course, you get older and your abilities diminish, and you know you get wrinkles and all this other stuff. So, so anyway, yeah. So, it's like that. Yeah, I, I I haven't played. Last time, we, the, the the time I played with Kirkland was last year, or maybe even a year and a half ago prior to that was maybe a, a year, try to go back out. And I I even tried to learn how to throw how to throw bevel edged backhand. Sidearm was hard to do as as well for me because I, so, I was so wired with a different with the pendulum with the you know, the whirl uh uh throw. But I I had this one throw backhand that really opened up my eyes to bevel edge. I threw one backhand and it went five feet off the ground for 95 yards. And I'm thinking, holy shit, <laughs> you know, what? what is this? You know, five feet, I swear, off the ground of 95 yards. Me throwing it. And yeah. uh, So anyway, they are kind of – they're kind of hard to deal with. And I've been thinking about, yeah, I, sh- I like to go throw a 500-yard, you know, backhand in a tournament. Yeah, I'll be in the trees and everything. So I'd rather I rather watch than be embarrassed so
0: Nah no nah, I I think that's amazing so uh I I got I could just talk to you all day Victor I mean
1: we carried a lot of stuff
0: Yeah um and and we could always come back and revisit but uh I think we're probably right about the right amount of time it's about drive time to work lane um, so, just one more time. So, the the Berkeley Frisbee Group. I got it right this time. Um, you did we, the book about the six people that started. Well, so many people were involved, but the six. six people- wait a minute. Those six. Those six people
1: were all our peers, because they didn't have peers. Remember that. You gotta remember that's a big difference. They started the serious frisbee play, where they would go out on a field. When I met Bob May, I was playing a softball game and I had I played left field. I was a ruler of left field. Z was a ruler of center field and Bob May's out there. Here's a grown man on a college campus with two dozen Frisbees and he's trying to throw them as far as he can and nobody was catching them. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Which is, this is Berkeley. What the hell's going on here with this guy? And I had to ask him nicely I'm sorry, but we're going to play softball now. And he said, okay, he got us Frisbees. But then little did I know that two years later and traveled with 10 of our BFG players to Houghton, to Houghton, Michigan for the IFT. I mean, that's really making a jump right there. So, yeah, so yeah you're right. I wanted to give Bob May another plug in there So, yeah. and myself
0: of course. Yeah, for sure. So your book is, and by the way, I'll put up links everywhere. I post this podcast. There's going to be links. Uh, there's a link to buy the book. I'll also put a link to the GoFundMe page. Um, if you throw sidearm today, uh, part, partly why we that we throw sidearm today is because you injured your back learning how to do the throw. How about that? No,
1: mm, No, 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 none. The back no.
0: was, the back is injured from
1: basically old age be those discs that deteriorate and, yeah. and especially those three and four discs in your back man they they start to go you have to replace them that's that's what i'm trying to do is replace them you can go say you can go say that yeah victor was throwing back in he threw one yard one uh, bevel edge disc 95 yards and he quit said that's it i don't i don't need to do anything else Step <laughs> behind right. the backage.
0: <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's on the list, Victor. All right, yeah, my man. I, Victor, I love you to death. You're, you're a treasure. I love you me. too. And um, uh, I'm gonna post everything I can to like let's let's sell some books and. Uh, and I know uh, you will. And if people have questions for you, just message you on Facebook. Is that the best place to contact you?
1: Sure, uh, absolutely. And and your book is in my book. Is it really? I got a picture of your book in my book. Also, Scott Zimmerman as well. And I'm playing favorites here. So I took care of you guys.
0: Well, you know what? And well, in, in return, without even knowing that that was happening, <laughs> uh, you are mentioned on page probably six of my autobiography. All because right. The first thing I did in my book is I, I, I wanted to be very clear because I talked about how early I was with the sport of disc golf. But I wanted to, right off the bat, say I was not first generation. There were people that came before me. And I listed, you know, a half dozen of them. You were obviously right. included in that list. Um,
1: and there were people I, who came before uh, me.
0: We're going to go backwards. There was one question I wanted to ask, which I, haven't, I did not ask.
1: Wait, 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 stop. The crow bird, I hate these crows, man. I tell you, if I had a BB gun, I'd kill all of them. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> No, I couldn't hear what you were saying because of that damn crow.
0: I, I just, there was one super important question I didn't ask and I, and this is going to yes. make totally out of order, but I have to know. So PDGA member one was Ed Hedrick founding the organization. Tell me the story of how you became number two. I mean, that's, people are going to want to know that. How did, when did he approach you and said, I got this idea for this organization called the, P, the DGA at the time, right? but how did that happen?
1: Well, it, it, DGA that came along in, in 75, I think, is when he was looking to, to start that because he had the first disc, the nine-hole disc golf event in 1969 at, at uh, Brookside Park. Standardized nine-hole T-line, everything. Jay Shelton won that. That was like the first golf tournament, but on the East Coast, they don't recognize that as being... <laughs> as being frisbee golf. So what, what Hedrick did, as I mentioned, he did the smart thing. He hired Stork, okay, to take the reins and, and fly with this thing. And so Ed was free to go ahead and do his disc golf game, which is really wonderful because he came up with the basket design, which is, which is something we've been using for the last 45 years. Is this beautiful basket and all. And I've seen other variations of it too. Uh, people are trying to experiment with but Hedrick was the man he was the guy i mean he he got irv lander to do the junior frisbee championships and all that he even he went to the ift and pumped, you know some support in there as well but it's you know it's steady at Hedrick really and then after that is stork
0: but how did he and i'm when, way when were you like, approached though to join the organization i mean you were the first person he asked to join
1: Oh, no. Oh, OK. I knew he was doing it. He was he said he was, you know, get your get your application in early and get a low number. So I got my mail in the morning. Boom. There was the form. Filled it out, put it in a check and took a got on my bike and went straight to the post office in like 20 minutes. That's great. And it got mail and he got it. and Boom. I'm oh two. O2. <laughs> I still want to claim the fame I have now, It's O2, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs>
0: Not the only
1: answer. All right, Scott.
0: All right. I well, forgive I, you. I... Thank you, man. Hey, again, love you. I can't wait to talk to you again. Uh, let's see if we can raise some funds. And, okay. Uh, uh, Good luck keep... to you.
1: Thank you for all your goodness. All right. Thanks. Ciao. Bye. See you later. Bye.